We're going to look at Lesson 36. We're looking at some Proverbs that were compiled by the men of Hezekiah. Now, these were Proverbs written by Solomon that were added to the other Proverbs by the scribes of Hezekiah. And so, we're going to spend some more time here. We're in chapter 25. We're looking at verse uh, 24. And we're going to work our way through chapter 26, verse 17. Notice now what it uh, shares with us in verse 24. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Now, let me just read that to you again. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious woman. Now, I want you to picture for a moment, we have houses with roofs that have a pitch. In the Middle East, they don't have houses like we do. They have flat roofs. So what they're saying, it's better for a guy to live on the corner in that top roof than live in the house with a contentious woman. Now, I'm not going to pick on women here, but so this is the point that he's making. The point that he's making here is better to have peaceful solitude than companionship with strife. It's better to have peaceful solitude for you to be just by yourself. And here he's talking about on a corner of the roof than to be in the house where there's strife, where there's domestic uh, problems going on. And we can relate to that, can't we? Can't we? we? You know, when there's difficulties at home and there's that intense fellowship going on, you and I would rather be, and some of you find, some of you guys may find yourself in the workshop or in the garage. You know, because it's better to be out doing something or at the office or at work than to be home, what, striving. You know, some folks are trying to keep from laughing. <laughs> They're smiling here because everybody understands, everybody knows. And that's a, he's giving an accurate point here. Now, let's look at the issue of speech. Look at verse 25. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Here's the point. Good news refreshes the weary soul. Good news refreshes the weary soul. And here's the picture. The picture is is of a person who is weary, probably in concern about someone who maybe is away, and then they get word. And, of course, back then, they didn't have email, they didn't have the telephone, they didn't have cell phones. It probably took a while for the word to come, but then they get word, and that refreshes them that everything's okay. They, they're, they're a lot better off. You understand? They're a lot better off. Proverbs is talking about that good news from afar is refreshing to your soul. Because when you're concerned for someone, like for instance, right now Jack and Ramona have Josh over in Iraq. So every time they get an email, every time they get a phone call, that's refreshing to them, isn't it? Refreshing to you guys to hear something? Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? That's the point the Proverbs is making here. That's the point the Proverbs is making here. All right, look now at verse 26 and 27. We're going to talk about the issue of character. A righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. Okay, here's the point. First of all, the issue of integrity. 
The righteous man who is compromised is like water being ruined by mud. A righteous man who compromises, a righteous man who compromises his values, his beliefs, his integrity, is like water that has been, what, polluted by mud. So, for instance, some of you guys have wells. Some of you are on springs. And oftentimes, maybe after a heavy rain, what happens to your well? Well, is it, is it, what, is it murky? It's, it's got that, that look to it, and you know, I better not drink this right now. Because it's got a lot of runoff in there. That's the whole point that he's making here is a righteous man who compromises his integrity is exactly like that. Who's exactly like that. So then he goes on and talks about those who seek self-glory. The point here now is, is that to seek one's own glory is dishonorable. And this is almost anti-American, but this is what the verse is saying. Because in America... We're taught from little on up to strive for what? Glory, for our glory, to make us make ourselves look good. Even in our Christian churches, we strive for this. But here's what Solomon is saying. Notice what he says. It's not good to eat much honey. So to seek one's own glory is not glory. For you to seek after your own glory, for your own prestige, for your own Looking good with everybody else, that is not good. That's dishonorable, and that's the point that he's making here. So then, look over now at verse 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Let me go ahead. You can just add this one in here. Here's what it's talking about. The person who cannot control himself is defenseless. The person who cannot control himself, just add that in there, is defenseless. That's the whole point he's making there. The person who cannot control himself is defenseless. So if you have no rule over your own spirit, and here's kind of the picture, is that, for instance, some, we talked about different types of people. How about a hot-tempered man? Does he have control over his spirit? Why? What happens? Anything happens and he what? Flies off the handle. Okay? So really, people around him what eventually happens is, is for a person like that, you'll have people around him who know what buttons to push. Do you know what I mean? And so, if they want to, even at work, well, let's go, go oh, Fred fired up here. And so, they say the right thing, push the right button, because they know that all they got to do to set him off is to push this right button. And he's defenseless to that, because he's what? A hot-tempered man who's not in control of himself. So, he's easily, what, manipulated by who? By others around him. You know, by others around him. Hey, for instance, you see that with your kids, don't you? I have kids, I see it all the time. You might have one that knows how to push the buttons with another one. And you're hoping for a peaceful day. And they know, because they're not in control yet. You know, and all of a sudden, it just erupts in the house. Unbelievable. How did that happen? There's this little guy in the corner smiling. Because he knew. He knew what to do. See, here's what it's talking about. is If you don't have control, you're defenseless. If you don't have control, you're defenseless. Now, we're talking about a hot-tempered man. How about an emotionally charged person? 
doesn't have to be somebody who just flies off the handle. It could be somebody that melts down all the time. You know what I'm saying? It could be somebody who melts down immediately when they hear some kind of news. They're just crying all the time. And and again, they're easily manipulated by who? Because when it talks about the issue of being defenseless here, we're talking about being defenseless against who? Other people. And so you can be easily manipulated either way by what? So here's the point of the proverb. The point of the proverb is that you and I need to be in control of our emotions. You, need, you and I need to be in control of our emotions. And that takes discipline to do that. But we need to be in control of our emotions. Now look at verse 1. As snow in the summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Here's the point. Honor is out of place for a fool. So, for instance, snow in the summer. What, what's the chances of that happening? Yeah, very slim. And if it happens, what will we do? Freak out. You know what I'm saying? Because that's just so out of place for the summer. Now, you might be sweating because you don't have an air conditioner and you're thinking, oh, I wish it would snow. But I'll be honest with you, that's out of place. Or, for instance, during the harvest time, rain. That's out of place, too. Because what happens if it's raining during harvest time? Anybody? If you're trying to get the corn off, you're trying to get bring in the produce, and it's raining the whole time. Yeah, it, it's, not, it's, it's not good. If that's the whole point that it's making here is that when you talk about honor with a fool, it's just out of place for them. There is no honor with a fool. There is no honor with a fool. Okay? Now, let's look at the issue now of speech. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Here's the point. An undeserved curse is ineffective. An undeserved curse is ineffective. See, just like a bird, just like those little birds, you know, they may be irritating, but can, you know, the whole point is, is that an undeserved curse is ineffective on a person. It's not going to help that person out. You say, what do you mean? Because we've been talking here and there about rebukes and that a wise person listens to a rebuke and learns from it, grows from it. Now, if you curse a wise person and it's undeserved, it's going to be ineffective on it. Because he's not going to learn from it. There's nothing to learn from that. There's nothing to grow from that aspect of it. It's like a, it, it might be irritating like a little bird. But the point is, it's not going to be a major effect on his life. So let's move on now. Look at the issue of discipline. Verse 3. A whip for a horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Now here's the point. A fool, a fool must be controlled by what? Physical force. A fool must be controlled by physical force. Now, here isn't it interesting? He's almost describing a fool like what? Well, yeah, a donkey or a horse. Do you understand? And just like you would use a whip or you would use a, a bridle, 
a rod is reserved for a fool's back because that's the only way he's going to gain attention. Because remember now, what we've talked about, honor is not fitting for a fool. A fool won't learn. He's not teachable. He despises wisdom. So the only way to get control of him is what? Yeah, physical punishment. Now, this is a concept that we've totally lost in our culture today, isn't it? Because in our culture today, we, we, we you know, even prison is not prison anymore, is it? You know what I'm saying? It's not prison anymore. Because there's nothing that teaches them. Because look, look what happens when they get out. 80% of them go back or more. You see my point? 80% of them go back or more. Because they're not learning anything, and we've got this concept that all we have to do is teach them, give them enough classes in social, so social training. When reality is a fool, the only way you're going to get attention of a fool is by what? Physical force. Now, I'm not saying we beat them, but we need to understand that there are some people you just can't teach. You understand what I'm saying? There's some people you just can't teach. So let's go on now. Look at the issue of fools again. We're going to spend verse 4, 5, 6, and 7 talking about fools. We're going to talk about responding to a fool. We're going to talk about the uselessness of a fool. We're going to talk about how dense a fool is. And then we're going to talk about honor in a fool. So let's look at verse 4 and 5. We're going to talk about how to respond to a fool. Because let me ask you a question. How many of you have interaction with a fool in your life? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many of you have interaction with a fool? All right, now notice what it says, verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So here's the point. The one who responds to a fool appears like one. Here's the point. If you're going to waste your time, you've got a foolish person who is unteachable, who will not be taught. And you try talking to them before, and it's like just over their head, or your words just drop to the floor. They even mock what you're saying. You're not going to, you're, you're going to become like them ultimately. It's, it's foolish for you to try to talk to them. That's the whole point of the proverb. They can't be taught. A lot of us are wasting our times. You're wasting your time with the fools, because a lot of you raised that you have a fool that interacts in your life. You're wasting your time with a fool because they're not teachable. They're not teachable. They don't want to learn. They want to keep doing their own thing. And the point of Proverbs is, is quit wasting your time. Well, that's really not sensitive. That's really not, you know, I want to reach them. I understand you want to reach them, and I understand you care for them and maybe even love them. But the fact of the matter is that they're showing over a continual long period of time a pattern of behavior where no matter what it is that you say to them, they always reject what you're saying and go on and do something else, and you're still trying to help them out. Here's what's happening. You're looking like a fool. That's what Proverbs is saying. You're looking like a fool. How many of you, how many of you know that? I, I'm, I'm thinking of, in my mind, I think of some parents who are continually bailing out their kids. Listen to me. Who are bailing out their kids. And they've been doing it for 20 years or more. And little Johnny may even still be living at home. And these days he probably is. 
And they're doing it out of love. I, I think for, in particular of a gentleman back in Canada when I was pastoring there, he was, his son did not know how to handle money. And so here's what daddy did. Daddy bought him a house. Excuse me, co-signed the house. Then helped him make the payments because he had a good job. He had a great job. Then he kept bailing him out, bailing him out, bailing him out. And so here I am as pastor, and one day he's telling me, about, oh, I don't understand about my son. So I said, well, maybe you need to quit bailing him out. Wrong thing to say. Well, that's not love. I, I love my son. Well, if you love your son, love does the right thing. Love doesn't enable him to continue in his destructive lifestyle. Love helps. You're not helping him. In fact, who was beginning to look like a fool? He was. He was. Now, he thought he was doing the right thing. See, this is the point that he's talking about here. Notice what he says. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest he you also be like him. So, the whole point is, is that you and I need to be very much aware that what we're talking about here is, is that you begin to look foolish because you can't teach him. You can't teach him. Okay, look now, the issue of uselessness. Verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Here's what it says. To use a fool as a messenger is, is to invite trouble. Hey, we have some folks here that are in charge of people. Maybe you're a manager. Maybe you're a supervisor. Maybe you're a business owner. And, guys, you use a fool? Here it talks about sending a messenger. You use a fool, you're inviting what? If you give him a good job that you know needs to be done, and you know, and you already know this guy is, you know, one brick short of a load. He's not listening. You're inviting what? Yes. And so what happens? You got to go back later. Your time, your money, your effort, and what? Yeah, fix it. Whereas if you had not chosen the foolish one first, you would have what? You would have. You wouldn't have had all that waste of the time. And see, that's the whole point he's talking about here. It's useless. In fact, notice how he describes it. I mean, he's pretty pretty graphic in his description here. He said it's like cutting off his own feet. The one, he who sends a messenger by the hand of a fool, it's like he's cutting off his own feet. And you're just inviting trouble. You are handicapping yourself. That's the whole point. So you've got to be wise about who you what? Give jobs to. Who you give jobs to, because that's the whole point there. Notice now, here it talks about the, the fool being dense. Look at verse 7. Like legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of the fool. Here's the point. Proverbs are useless to fools. They can't grasp it. They're not teachable. Proverbs are useless. Wisdom is useless to a fool. That's the whole point here I want you to see. Now, you're saying, boy, you're sounding rather harsh here, and I understand that, but Solomon is wanting you to grasp something here. It, it seems very harsh, but I want you to see what the point is. 
as these scribes gathered these Proverbs of Solomon together, they are trying to communicate to you something that's very important that will save you a lot of grief later on. Number one, don't waste your time with a fool if he's not teachable. Number two, be careful how you utilize a fool because you'll end up paying for it later. You understand? And, and here's what we'll do because we're so nice. We'll say, oh, well, I just think they'll grow into it. And you notice we say that for years. It's one thing to say it maybe the first year, but ten years later, we're hoping they still grow into it. Do you see my point? You're wasting your time. That's the whole point here. Because a fool, notice what it says here, he's dense. Its wisdom is useless to a fool. He's going to continue going back and what? Making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. So you've got to be careful. So then notice the whole issue of honor, verse 8 then, he brings it down to the issue of honor. And look at what he says. Like one who binds a stone with a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Here's the point. Honoring a fool is counterproductive and absurd. Honor, honoring a fool is counterproductive and absurd. And again, this goes against our whole cultural mindset today because in our culture today, we want to say, oh, well, you know what? In order for people to achieve, we've got to make everybody feel good. We've got to make everybody feel good. We've got to make even the less part feel good. So we, we honor people today that shouldn't be, honor shouldn't be given to them. Because we think, for some reason, in our great mindset today, we think that if we honor them, that will make them achieve and make them go, go further along. It doesn't do anything to them. It doesn't do anything to them. So there you are. Well, there's, there's old Billy Bob. Hmm. Boy, he's been working for me for five years. Cost me a lot of money, but maybe if I gave him a raise, maybe that'll help him out. So you give Billy Bob a raise. Now, here's what happens. His work level is still the same, but now Billy Bob's wondering, I should be getting paid more. You can't teach him anything. And you thought by honoring him, you could what? Motivate him. The whole point of Proverbs is, is that it's counterproductive and absurd to do that. It's counterproductive. It's counterproductive. That's the whole point. Let's go on. He's going to talk some more about the use of Proverbs by a fool. And, and this one's pretty good. Look here. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. You ever, ever met somebody who was drunk that hurt themselves? While they were drunk, they hurt themselves. How did they act? It was pretty ridiculous, wasn't it? And, and here's the point. Here's what he's saying. It's painful. It's just as painful to hear fools use proverbs. It's just as painful to hear a fool who won't be, who won't listen, who doesn't listen to wisdom anyhow, doesn't live by wisdom, to turn around and what? Quote wisdom. You see my point there? Now here, here's, here's an interesting, listen, listen to me, look at verse 10. The great God who formed everything 
gives the fool his hire and transgression his wages. A couple things here. And here's the point that he's making. Because here's what he's saying. A fool, the God who made everything, a fool is destined to have nothing but what? He's he's destined to have nothing but what? Problems. So here's the point, guys. Hiring a fool is a dangerous thing to do. Listen, here's some wisdom for all of us here. Whether you are an owner, a business manager, supervisor, crew chief, whatever you are, or just regular Joe and you're going to hire somebody to do something around the work. And if you notice and you know that the person that you're going to deal with, even if you're hiring them to do something in the house, is a foolish person, wisdom says don't hire him. Because you're inviting what? Trouble. It, save yourself the grief. Because that person is destined to what? Grief. That's the whole point you and I need to see here. That person is destined to grief. Now here's why. Because look at verse 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his what? Folly. Now here's the point. Fools repeat their disgusting mistakes. Fools repeat their disgusting mistakes. It's, it's, you know, have you had, I've, I grew up with dogs. Guys, some of you have dogs now. It's pretty sick to see them do that, isn't it? You know, we, we get disgusted by that. But here's the point. He's using a very graphic thing of a, something very disgusting to us to make the point that a fool, just like a dog who goes to his own vomit, A fool is going to keep repeating his what? Foolishness. So listen, after 20 years, you keep seeing him making the main mistakes? Wake up. The reality is what? He's not learning. He's not going to learn. He's what? Fool. Foolish. See, that's the whole point. So again, when you look at verses 4 through 11... Listen, for those of you who are older people, these are great verses for you to realize and how to deal with people. Caution is there about who you hire. Caution is there about who you utilize. Because the fact of the matter is, is when you utilize somebody who's foolish, you're just inviting what? Problem. Trouble. Isn't it? Problems and trouble. Okay, now... Look at verse 12. We're going to move on now to the issue again of character. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now here, we're going to move away from the fool, and we're going to move to the guy who thinks, or gal, who thinks that they have, what, arrived. Now here's the point he's saying. Those who think they are wise are almost impossible to help. You ever met somebody like that? How many of you have met somebody that knows everything? What's it like talking with them? Anybody? What's it like to talk to somebody who knows everything? Okay, Bruce says frustrating. Might as well save your breath is what Deanna said. What's it like talking to somebody who knows everything? 
They even finish your sentences. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you here's a, well, you know, they finish it for you. Because they already know what you're talking about. Now, here's the point that he's making. It's impossible to help those people. They're the other extreme of a fool. A fool, he has no wisdom. He can't comprehend wisdom. He keeps returning to his same mistakes over and over. Now you go to the other extreme of the person who thinks he knows everything. You can't help them. Because just like the fool is unteachable, actually here, notice something here. Notice what the proverb tells us. There is more hope for a fool than for him. The guy who thinks he knows everything, there's more hope for the fool than there is for him to learn anything. Isn't that interesting? So you've got somebody who thinks they know everything. They think they're the epitome of wisdom. And there's no hope for them. In fact, how do we act when we have people like that? Like we're in a group of people and you've got Mr. Know-it-all there. What normally happens group dynamic-wise as far as people? Do, do people gravitate to that kind of person? Yeah, they pull away from them. They pull away from them. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Is there ever going to be a time in our Christian life, so we can understand something, is there ever going to be a time in our Christian life here, guys, where we arrive? Well, yeah, there is. Not while we're on this earth. Yes, when we go to be with Jesus. And even then you're not going to arrive because you're going to spend eternity getting to know God. You say it's going to take that long? Hey, it's going to take that long to know Him. You'll never completely know Him. And the point is, is for somebody to act like they know it, that they got it, it's impossible to help somebody like that. All right, now we're going to look at the issue of laziness. Isn't it interesting? We've talked about fooling fools. We've talked about the guy who knows everything. Now we're going to get into the issue of laziness. Look at verses 13 through 15. First of all, look at what uh, verse 13 says. A lazy man says, there's a lion on the road, a fierce lion in the streets. Here's what's going on. The sluggard uses absurd excuses to get out of work. The sluggard uses absurd excuses to get out of work. How many remember MASH? Remember growing up watching MASH? And you remember Klinger and how he wanted to go home? And I remember the episode where he was with Colonel Blake. And he'd come in and he had another letter from home about somebody had died. And so Colonel Blake turns around at his desk, pulls a folder off, and he says, oh, oh, really? Let's see. Dad is dead. Mother is sick. Brother is dead. And he goes through all of these different letters because he's got all of He's tried this excuse over and over again to what? To go home from the war. That's what a sluggard is like. A lazy person is like. He's always going to use absurd excuses. I can't do that work out there. It's too cold. I can't, well, here it says there's a lion in the streets. Maybe there probably, you know, possibility existed in Palestine that there might be a lion in town. But the point is, what I want you to see is, he uses absurd excuses. You know, he uses absurd excuses. Look at his character now. Here's the character of a lazy person. Look with me at verse 14 and 15. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl 
and it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Boy, what a description here. Here's what it says. Number one, a sluggard does not like to get out of bed. Doesn't like to get out of bed. That's a sluggard. A sluggard does not like to get out of bed. He doesn't like to get out of bed. And listen, here's the point. Here's the other point. The sluggard is too lazy to eat. He puts his hand in the bowl and he's too lazy to bring it to his mouth. He puts his hand in the bowl for the food, but he's too lazy to bring it to his mouth. That's lazy, isn't it? That's the description of a lazy person. But here's the point. Now look at verse 16. This is, this is amazing. Talk about, well, look at what it says. A lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. What's this saying? Look at this. In his own opinion, the sluggard is wiser than others. In his own opinion, a lazy man says, I'm wiser than seven people who can talk sensibly. Isn't that amazing? That's where a lazy person's at. So then look, let's finish up now at verse 17, the issue of conduct. Look at what it says here. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Here's what it's saying. Some of you had dogs, you know what that means. Anyone who interferes in a fight is asking for what? Trouble. We've had a rock wilder here. How many of you want to grab him by the ears? Or a pit bull. You wouldn't want to do that. See, that's the whole point he's making here. You interfere in a fight, a quarrel, you're going to have what? Trouble. Trouble. Okay, so next week we're going to look at the third section of the Proverbs of Solomon that are compiled by Hezekiah. Let's close our time.